Showtime with Ricky Lee. Thank you for joining me on 101.5 Huntley Community Radio with streaming and podcasts available at HuntleyRadio.com. I'm your host, Ricky Lee Travolta, and today we have an amazing show planned. When I was young, one of my favorite TV shows was the series Fame about students at a performing arts high school. That show made me want to sing and dance. Joining me today on It's Showtime with Ricky Lee is one of my favorite performers of all time, one of the stars of fame, Jesse Borrego. In addition to starring on fame for three years, Jesse starred in such films as Blood In, Blood Out, Tecumseh The Last Warrior, and Con Air, and was a series regular on such TV shows as 24, ER, Dexter, American Crime, Fear the Walking Dead, and Vita. Jesse, welcome to the program. Hey, Brother Ricky, how you doing, sir? I'm Happy doing New good. Year. Happy New Year to you, my friend. So let's go back to the very beginning. When did you first realize that you wanted to be a performer? You know, it starts with your family. It starts with your culture. So I think when I was young and I was a kid, you know, I grew up listening to my father play uh, Tex-Mex music, oh. you know, and so that's always a, a blend of, uh, you know, cultures and that make America beautiful. And so I think all of that influence, along with pop American culture of the 70s and 80s, kind of formed, formed you know, the fact that I wanted to be in entertainment. So I think that was the time that I kind of understood that that's really what I wanted to do. And uh, But school is also a part of that. So I had teachers and instructors who were quite instrumental into keeping me uh, in the performance realm uh, and increasing those artistic talents in that direction. What, you kind, know, uh, what kind of training sister, did you have? Who was older than me was yeah. kind of the A personality, so I kind of followed along in her footsteps for oh. a long while till I got started on my own as a young adult. Very good. Now, what kind of training did you did you go out for? Well, I you know in college I studied theater mm-hmm. uh, and I also studied ballet. Uh, but outside of school, I was constantly involved in extracurricular activities that, again, developed that ability to communicate, that ability to perform. So uh, I was always in uh, in local modeling shows, and uh, me and my sister were disco dancers, so we'd go to the clubs and, and to the disco dance shows and make a little side money. But all of that honed my performance skill and my ability to be able to pick up whatever little performance technique I wanted to do, you know. My sister danced again with a modern dance company, so I'd go and watch their rehearsals and pick up a little of this and a little of that. So I was kind of that self-taught but avid student of performance, and I think I just kept that up throughout my career so that every time I got into a new context, you know, when we worked on Fame, we were shooting on 35-millimeter film, and it was the first time I'd worked in not only series television but working with film as opposed to stage. So, you know, as a student, and again, Debbie Allen was very giving at that time. She just, uh, not only was she an executive producer and a choreographer, but she was starting to direct a lot of the episodes. And so I got a, she gave me an opportunity to be with her on the set and just learn, you know, and uh, I think she enjoys that uh, that teaching uh, student uh, uh, dynamic. And so uh, that was perfect for me, you know, so I've always been like that throughout my career, so. 
That's great. Now, in, in your dance classes in college, um, I was always the only boy in any of my dance classes. <laughs> did, did you find any stigma in being in dance class or was it dating central for you? Hey, you know, initially, of course, as you're growing up as a, as a, you know, I say this to all the boy dancers, don't give up, man. Don't <laughs> give up. Be yourself. Again, uh, the strength that you show as a male dancer is not only, you know, part of being athletic, you know, they're, my God, they're, they're having break dancing as part of the Olympics. Yeah. That shows you how physical dance is, you know. But if you get past that first hump and you get into the adolescent ages and especially as a young adult to be a male dancer in a, in a beautiful world of, of, of bodies is, is a great thing <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with it man but you know yeah there is a stigma about it when you get when you're young but you know all of that is part of our identity and so i think you know for for years it was always the guy with the best footwork yeah you know was part of folklorico or he was part of the uh uh, you know, the local dance crew. So I think you have to overcome those things. Uh, and I think that's a, that's something that I teach young performers is to understand that they're special and that their talent actually means something, no matter what their background, no matter what their body shape, no matter what their skill set. It's all about being, you know, who you are, and that's what makes you a better performer. I think that's why fame resonates over the years, you know, yeah. because of that. Now, the way that you danced really influenced the way I danced. Um, you you had this sexual energy. And unlike most male dancers who lead with their shoulders, you led with your pelvis. And once I started doing that, my dating life went crazy. Was that a conscious thing for you or is that just your natural go to? Well, I think it's both. It's, you know, part of uh, of my culture, you know, as a Latino. Yeah. But that stereotype aside, which is actually not much of a stereotype, it's a real mythology, it's a real myth, <laughs> it's a real myth. But I think the trainers, the people that I danced with, uh, you know, especially uh, the Trevinos that I danced with at Incarnate Word, Debbie, especially uh, Jaime Rogers, which was a big choreographer on Fame. You know, he came from the Jerome Robbins School. Uh, you know, he was in West Side Story, but as a as a as a Puerto Rican dancer, you know, he had that energy. And so I think when I started working with him, uh, but again, all of that is centered around the training that I got. Even in acting, you know, the training was about dropping your energy to your center, you know, to the center. Uh, and then I was also athletic. So I think understanding all of that in my body made it easy to understand that you want to come from the center, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of those characters that I played in my early years always had that kind of sexuality. So... You know, you got to put it where it where it counts the most. You know, <laughs> but ultimately, uh, what I've grown to learn is you have to connect that with that heart energy, you mm -hmm. know, and that head energy. And then now, as an older dancer, because I still dance now, as an older dancer, my expression is much more versatile. You know, because I can play characters now with my movement as opposed to just dancing like you know what I used to do. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a good thing as an older performer because <laughs> you start to lose the mojo you had. When you're, I look at some of those clips, man, and I'm like, man, I wish, wish I'd have done something with that. <laughs> then I realize, oh, there it is. It's all right there. And it's in my film, too. If you look at Blood In, Blood Out, you know, the role of Crucito, I put a lot of, uh, a lot of movement in there, you know, yeah. uh, which uh, had that type of, 
of, of, of, of Mojo as the uh, young Jesse character, you know. Now, you got cast in a lead role on Fame from going to an open audition, which is, is pretty unheard of. Um, can you walk me through the audition process? Well, you're talking about the 80s, right? Bam. Yeah. Uh, that was the latter part of the 80s. Then in the 90s, Blood and Blood Out. I like it like that. Uh, Darnell Martin, we just celebrated that at the New York Latino Film Festival last year. Yeah. Uh, well, um, then there was, uh, of course, Blood and Blood Out, right? Taylor Hackford. Let's talk a little uh, bit about Blood and Blood Out. It's one of my favorite films of all time. And, yeah. uh, I mean, did you know when you were making it that you were making something special? Yes, I did. I mean, you can't work with Taylor Hackford and not believe that. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. At that moment, especially as a fan, knowing he's an Academy Award winner, knowing his films, uh, and then knowing where he was coming from, I actually met Taylor uh, on the audition for, during the auditions for La Bamba, uh, and we had a really good uh, chemistry. So he called me and told me about Blood and Blood Out, and I actually was there with Jimmy Santiago Baca, the writer, and a lot of the uh, original creators of it, uh, at the inception of them starting to think about casting. And so for me, I knew during those two years of prep what we were doing. And then I also saw the power of, uh, you know, uh, the Disney backing Hollywood pictures. Mm -hmm. And so I saw that type of studio energy behind the film. And I realized, oh, they want to win awards, man. You know, they're trying to... It was way ahead of the Latino wave. So mm. I think in that sense, Taylor uh, and his team, uh, you know, which includes Jeffrey Katzenberg, they were ahead of the curve. They saw diversity. They saw, you know, a culture that needed, an American culture that needed to be exemplified on film. And it was a great story. You know, yeah. it created actually two scripts from that one story. It created American Me and Blood and Blood Out. There were, there were a lot of similarities because they came from the same root. Mm -hmm. But Jimmy Santiago Baca created the Vatos Locos, brought in all of the Chicano art, which I think really uplifted a lot of, you know, uh, the darkness of the original film mm -hmm. uh, that it came from, you know, the original root. And so I think the beauty of that was that it became, in essence, a beautiful, like you said, a classic on its own. Um, and because of that, I mean, it was a lot of it was rooted in performances. So, you know, it's one of them, you know, getting to meet and work with Benjamin Bratt, who I've done three films with. Um, and so actually one of our, the films that we did right after that was called Follow Me Home. Do you like independent film? I love independent film. Check out followmehomethemovie.com. Okay. That was the film. That one was inspired. So that that one was Peter Brett. So Peter Brett, I've done three films with, uh, with um, two films with Peter, La Mission, La Mission, and then Follow Me Home. Well, Follow Me Home was the first one. Okay. But I started working with the Brett brothers after Blood In Blood Out because of the work and the relationship that me and Ben had created, and Peter had just come out of NYU Film School, so he was very a very young idealistic filmmaker and wanted to make his mark. And here was his brother with his buddy who just done this same thing. He was impacted by Blood In, Blood Out. And, uh, you know, the people that we work with on, on Blood In, Blood Out is a creative team. And again, when you talk about knowing, it really was supposed to win 
awards. Yeah. You know, I think the timing of the L.A. riots is ultimately what made it very difficult to it, release. Yeah, and didn't so, it sit on the shelf for a little while because of the riots? Didn't the movie sh- sit on the shelves for a little while before release because of the riots? Yeah, it was actually, you know, got delayed about a year because in the aftermath of the riots, there was really no way they could do a major release. Yeah. And so then when they did try to release it, you know, they had to, uh, I think by that point, uh, Hollywood Pictures realized that their Disney brand wasn't really going to support something like this, you know, yeah. uh, especially the optics right after the L.A. riots. So they kind of kind of tried to shelve it and go straight to VHS. As a matter of fact, that's why it has the two titles, Bound by Honor. Right, right. I remember reading that. Yeah, I, so it was released in the theaters as Bound by Honor. So if you can ever find a movie poster that says Blood in, Blood out from the original uh, press junket that we did the year before. Grab it up. Those are classics. Yeah, they're out there. You're but listening to... Most movie posters say Bound by Honor. You're listening to It's Showtime with Ricky Lee on 101.5 Huntley Community Radio with streaming and podcasts available at HuntleyRadio.com. Today, I am joined by one of my idols, stage and screen star Jesse Borrego. We're currently talking about the film Blood In, Blood Out. Jesse, in that film, you played Cruz, a brilliant artist who sadly becomes addicted to heroin. How did you go about developing that character? I think the technique of an actor is to absorb, absorb, absorb. And then from that, you create a kind of a palette that then you start to uh, paint around the character, you know. But, mm-hmm. and, but again, all of that is always rooted on the emotional, which is your experience and how you, uh, again, uh, express the narrative, you know, in the story. And I knew it was important not only for my uh, self as an actor, uh, for the narrative in the story, which I thought was very important about these three Chicano brothers. But also I thought that, you know, uh, when was there going to be another opportunity to play a, a true Mexican, authentic Mexican-American character, a Chicano, in an American film? You yeah. Know? Uh, especially a blockbuster or a studio film, let's just say a studio film. So I think for me, it was about being true to the work, and that includes representing Chicano artists, Chicano art, uh, the process of, uh, you know, how artists create in a kind of a vacuum in the barrio, mm-hmm. because uh, the reality of it is still there's very little representation of uh, specific cultural art in museums, uh, even though there's, you know, it's been shown that there's a value in that art and mm-hmm. that there's true expression, especially in the kind of uh, uh, the kind of uh, historic narrative that it's rooted in, you know, that Chicano art has that kind of journey in it, that kind of activist journey. So I think it's important as a hundred-year-old art form, you know, uh, especially a true American one. You know, it didn't come from France, it didn't come from, you know, uh, you know, the surrealists, it came from very real art, art American movement. And so I think that's why, for me, it was important to be authentic to that character. Yeah. At the same time, representing what really goes down in the barrio in the streets with these kids, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to make sure and represent that in the journey as well, not just make it a tragedy, but make it a story of uplift, you mm-hmm. know, a story of inspiration. And and to, to go, uh, and so in that both. sense, I do wow. what I do. I don't know if you saw the one I did it right after that, but I did three films at that time, and I was trying to show that 
true American Latino experience. Blood in, blood out was the first one. Then there was the feminist perspective, which was Mi Vida Loca, Alison Anders. I did not and see that. And then there was a film called I Like It Like That, Darnell Martin. And I did the same thing with each of those characters. They're very different characters, even though they're all Latinos. Mm-hmm. So if you ever get a chance, see those films back to back. And at that, in those, that space of two, three years, I was trying to show everyone, hey, look, we haven't seen who we are. This yeah. is who we are. These are aspects of who we are. Oh, I encourage everyone listening to, to check out those movies. Uh, I, I have a, list, uh, a watching party to, to have for myself now with, with those. Um, now, a very, another very moving performance of yours was the title character in Tecumseh, The Last Warrior, in which you were playing a Native American. Was this your first Native American character? No, I think I'd done a Native American character in, a, in an episode of uh, China Beach. Remember okay. China Beach? Yes, yes. Because, yeah, you were on Miami Vice and, and uh, China Beach, all those shows. Yeah, Married with Children. Okay. And well, then uh, in Dalva, the film I did with Farrah Fawcett Majors. Oh, yes. I was a Native American character in that as well. Uh, and again, we've always been proud of our heritage. Uh, my lineage is on my grandmother. My, my mother's side is uh, Apache Okay. from uh, South Texas. And then the, uh, the adopted family is the Coahuiteca Nation, which are the uh, Texas-San Antonio region. Okay. Natives, and so I think the understanding of who we are again as people, as Mexican Americans, and uh, you know, even as a Mexican American, if you look at your culture, the Mexican culture is very much mestizo culture. You know, very much uh, rooted in the original indigenous culture itself of, of Mexico. Uh, and so I think even up here in Texas, that understanding that we're a blend of peoples and cultures and ways always was with me. In a romantic way, of course, when mm-hmm. you grow up, right? Yeah. Uh, but identifying Chicano as a young adult, I think, helped me with that, because then you start to search out those roots, and you find that people are already kind of... Uh, that, that information is there for you, you know, if you want to just be a part of it. So the good thing is that at the time that Tecumseh came, um, and I want to give a big shout-out, the woman who played my sister... Jerry Arredondo, Jerry Arredondo. She's a beautiful Native American actress. She was the one who played my sister, remember? And mm-hmm. uh, she was in a lot of films. Uh, if you look up her IMDb, uh, Doughboy, uh, all kinds of beautiful Native American films. She just recently passed away this oh. year, and so I was reminded of the work that we did together in Tecumseh because the whole Native American community was, was very beautiful and unified and you saw peoples of all different you know uh all different families and really proud to represent a story which for us was symbolic of again the struggle for true american cultures to be identified uh, and to be expressed so i did the same thing i kind of took it seriously you know and uh, tried to look at the story and then the historical figure himself was really heroic you know Tecumseh was uh you know kind of like the Native American advocate and lawyer way before the fact um when no one was talking up was talking for them uh you know his his views he was able to express his views on uh, you know land management and uh community and social issues cultural issues uh you know he was able to have sit downs with governors 
but ultimately, he could never sign the treaty because he didn't believe in what the United States and what the uh, other countries were doing. Yeah. So he constantly fought on different sides against expansion. Um, and so he was a pretty historical, uh, historically relevant character. Uh, and I saw a lot of that in the Chicano struggle, you know, mm-hmm. in a Cesar Chavez type of story. But in this sense, he was a warrior, you know. Yeah. He tried the peaceful way, and he went the other direction and said no. He actually fought, I believe he was a British officer, commissioned as a British officer, and he fought against the Americans as a British officer. Wow. wow. So he was he was serious, man. He was a serious, heroic character. So, But again, for me, I wanted to represent the true, true story, which is that he was trying to unify all the different groups. He was trying to get them to believe and understand that they could be one nation under God, and that then they were... The, they were there were more Native Americans if they unified and realized that they were one people, uh, and that was the danger, and that was what they didn't like him for. They respected him, but they were they really feared him because he was a unifier, um, and I think that was the part that I wanted to get across in the character. You know, not just the angry native who starts a rebellion against the oppressors. You know, I wanted to show no, this dude was smart. This dude had a vision. This dude had a a, a dream. Um, and so I think that was the fun part, because that, a lot of that wasn't in the script, and I had to kind of go back into the historical facts. A lot of his speeches were kept uh, quoted verbatim, and I was able to put a lot of that clear perspective, clear Native American perspective on this television character. So ultimately, I was quite proud of it. You know, A lot yeah. of what I was able to put into his character stayed on camera, uh, you know, thanks to the director and the producers. Now, um, I, I wanted to make sure. So that I think I'm proud of that because he he really does come across as uh, an intellectual character. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, I, I wanted to make sure that we have time to talk about what you're working on these days. Okay. Uh, I know in 1990 you formed Lupita Productions. Uh, wh- what are you working on these days? Well, a lot of what I've been doing, especially in the last, you know, 15, 20 years, is developing independent projects. Yeah. So a lot of that then has led into teaching, workshopping, developing the uh, film community here in San Antonio. Um, So a lot of that has been focused on trying to close the gap between the kind of elitist uh, film training of the industry and the kind of... uh, accessibility and opportunity that is available within our communities. Uh, in other words, about you know, you know, 20, 25 years ago, I said to myself, where is the next, you know, I knew that my local high school had started a film program, and I said, okay, where is that local Jesse Borrego? Where is he going to get the money to go to film school? Right. The nearest one is in Austin. Uh, it's very hard to get into, and you have to have money. Okay, X that out. Hollywood, uh, okay, how's he going to survive while he figures out where he's going to train, what he's going to train in? Uh, and that doesn't guarantee a job. And you know what I mean? And I yeah. just kept going down the line. I kept going, wow. So in 30 years of my career, there's no clear path for someone. And so I, then I thought, oh, my God. So then was I an anomaly? And, you know, I started tracing a lot of, like I said, the movements that I've been a part of in the 90s, the mid-90s, when Robert Rodriguez did uh, um, El Mariachi, mm-hmm. Austin, you know, Richard Linklater was starting the Austin Film Society and starting to direct his films and making Austin 
Well, they're right up the road from San Antonio, so I thought to myself, well, why not here with the Latino filmmakers? Yeah. Right? My brother and a lot of his friends had just graduated the Austin Film School. Why not bring them down here? La, 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 la. Well, a lot of them are still working in the business, but they've had to diversify into different areas of the communication industry, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's still that want and need for those creative minds who created Jimmy Santiago Baca, who created Blood In, Blood Out, uh, who participated in Mi Vida Loca, you know. Uh, and so that's kind of what I'm trying to do, connect all those dots, at the same time developing the projects that I think I can still pull off, which includes a mariachi musical, uh, a, uh, uh, you know, several kind of uh, series developed on projects that uh, intellectual properties that I've acquired, um, and then again developing, developing scripts, from these ideas, and then talking about once things clear up, getting into independent production. Jesse, it uh, has so been... So kind of closing all those dots together. And because of that, there's been a lot of projects that I've been involved with that are actually coming out now. I was telling you about Follow Me Home. Jesse, uh, unfortunately... That had limited distribution at the time, and now in the new, in the new digital world of streaming, it's been able to be re-released at a, at a time when they need to have the discussion about the themes that are in that film. You know, it's about four artists of color that decide they're going to go to the White House and paint a multicultural mural in the White House. And they get accosted in the middle of the country by, guess what? Civil War reenactors. Wow. Hello. <laughs> Jesse, I've Crazy, loved, huh? I have loved Crazy. our time together. Peter Bratt and Benjamin Bratt, and it's me, Benjamin Bratt, Peter Bratt, and Alfre Woodard is the lead. We picked her up along the way. I am going to check that out. You Unfortunately, we're out that. of... We're out of time today. Come, it came out this year. So how wonderful to close that gap, to be able to talk to the projects that I'm trying to develop and go, look, we were ahead of the curve. Now we need to get back on the front of it. Um, and, you know, there was a big article in the L.A. Times about that, that there's still a lack of diversity in terms of characters in uh, American television. So it's, it's still out there, and that creates, again, a need that's perfect for someone in my position. That, that has a kind of a brand name, but also a pedigree in terms of Latino narratives. So I'm trying to develop all of that into uh, projects that I can get into. Um, Fantastic. All of the, the other one is Phoenix, Oregon. Have you seen Phoenix, Oregon? Jesse, actually, we're out of time. Um, okay. I, I want to tell you, I've loved every moment of our interview, and hopefully we can get a chance to talk again. And uh, But I want to encourage my my listeners to ch check out Jesse Borrego in these films. Uh, he's been a huge influence on my life. And uh, thank you so much, Jesse. Thank you, Ricky, for your time. And Happy New Year, brother. Happy New Year, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Okay.